Again, our reading is Luke 2, 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was, from the, this was the first registration when um, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of God, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for those words very familiar to many of us. God, I pray that in the beauty of this morning that you would breathe life into them through your spirit in our hearts and that you would wash us whiter than snow, cleanse us by the power of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, my Thanksgiving weekend ended with me on the edge of I-70, pulled off on the side of the road, uh, desperately trying to learn how to put chains on my tires for the very first time, which is as fun as it sounds, um, in case you're wondering. I I have them here, uh, in case you've never seen them before. Uh, So we were uh, were driving back uh, through Colorado um, along I-70, and there there was ice and snow from Grand Junction to Denver. It was was really fun. Uh, and there was, there was a 30-mile uh, section on I-70 that it was so bad up high in the mountains where like, we were legally uh, required uh, to put them on. Um, so we had to. We're like, I, I didn't own these. Like, do you, who, does anybody here own these? So I, I pulled off, like one person, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I pulled off uh, like one exit before, like it was legally required. We bought these at some Walmart at 8 a.m. in Colorado. Uh, and then we like drove right up and pulled off. I mean, just like picture me, uh, side of I-70, right on the shoulder, cars zooming by. It's 10 degrees outside. Wind is gusting at like 40 50 miles per hour, uh, snow and ice, and I'm like, I'm literally watching a YouTube video on how to put these suckers on. <laughs> on the side of the road! Like, and trying to do it, like, just as fast as possible, uh, so that, um, 
you know, I don't freeze to death or get hit by a sliding semi destroying me and my entire family, right? Like all this is happening. Kids are freaking out in the backseat. Like, dad, are you okay? No, I'm not okay, right? In fact, I mean, I, like people, I almost lost it, okay? So I like, uh, the next day when we got home, uh, I asked the kids, like, so kids, uh, did you happen to hear dad say any words <laughs> yesterday when we were driving? They got really sheepish, like, only, only one, and it wasn't too bad. <laughs> and I, I like whispered to kill, oh, thank God, because I'm pretty sure I may have said all of them. Uh, it was, it was, so like, you know, I, I finally, I finally get them on, you know, and I get in the car, my hands, like my fingers are absolutely frozen, like excruciating pain as they slowly warm up, and I'm trying to psych myself up, and now driving up and then down these mountains. And David, as soon as I get in the car, David, my son, says, well, Dad, at least we've got a sermon illustration. <laughs> Too soon, David. Too soon. And, and like, here's, here's the deal. Like, we had just had, like, the best Thanksgiving of our whole lives, okay? And we're in the mountains, I love the mountains more than most people love their own kids, okay? Uh, and everything's like covered with snow. It's beautiful. We're about to, to listen to A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, like the Christmas, like every, it's a winter wonderland, right? And it's the hap, hap, happiest time of all. <laughs> and didn't the angel sing? You heard it. Didn't the angel sing, Peace on Earth? Was that a joke? Because I tell you what, I felt a lot of things uh, that day. Peace was not one of them. And I know, like, this is just a ridiculous story. Like, who cares? But, like, anybody here, like, just wondering maybe if the angels were lying? Anybody here feel peace on earth this morning? And I don't, I don't mean just the thought of, this chains might come handy uh, later. I don't mean just, like, driving home later or, or the easy target of flipping on the news. Like, nobody feels peace there. But what about here? Do you feel peace? At work? At school? Like, is your, is your home characterized by peace? Your, your relationships? Do you have peace here? Because this... This story, right, this, this story is so familiar to many of us, right? And it all builds to this incredible angelic choir. Just picture this, like, serene place, the shepherds, the sheep, you know, the angels. It's all so beautiful and, you know, hallmarky. And it builds to verse 14. And they shout out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And yet I just can't shake the question, how do we find peace when there is no peace? Like anybody else? How do we find peace when there is no peace? Well, if you haven't already, turn to, to Luke chapter 2. And so this, this Advent, we're, we're going through the early chapters of Luke and really looking at the original Christmas songs. Like these are the very first ones, like written down in the scriptures for us. And, and here, like, even though part of me wonders how the angels can possibly sing out peace on earth and keep a straight face, at the same time, I also believe that within this story is our answer. 
the answer to how you and I can find peace even when there is no peace. But for us to be able to do that, you've got to enter the story. You've got to hear it as if you've not heard it before. Like you've got you to take out the, the saccharine sweetness. You've know, you got to take off your rose-colored glasses and the, the sappy background music that plays. And we've, we've got to experience it as these people felt it. Because it's not just us who feels no peace. This is a peaceless story. And yet, peace is breaking in. And we are desperate for it, aren't we? And so it begins, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Ah, isn't that cute? No, it's not, actually. Like, the story opens. Think about this. It opens with a reminder of who's in charge. That Israel is being oppressed by an occupying force who is taking yet another opportunity to extract taxes from them. To squeeze them just a little bit tighter. And it's them that decide, like, you go to Bethlehem because I tell you to go to Bethlehem. And so immediately, like, this story starts with these, these, these power structures that are broken for God's people. I mean, think about it this way. If, if, if Kansas was occupied and exploited by the Nebraskans, I hate those people. Am I right? They are the, no, not really. But like, if, if that was true, like, how would you feel about those people? Like, it'd be, it'd be awful, right? There would be such incredible tension. It is the Romans that pick the place of Jesus' birth. Now, We know that it was prophesied throughout the Old Testament that it was going to happen in Bethlehem. So ultimately, it is God who is orchestrating these events. We know that. But did Mary and Joseph? Like what Mary and Joseph know in this moment is that they are being robbed of more of their money and they were very poor. They are being torn from their friends and family who they've never needed more. And they are being exposed during the most vulnerable time of their lives. This teenage girl is about to have a baby. Our nativity sets show such a serene look on Mary and Joseph's face, don't they? I picture them instead wrestling with snow chains on the side of I-70, right? And when they, when they finally get there, basically, her water breaks. Well, great, that's just great, right? There's no hospitals, they don't have any, they don't have any friends there, there's no room in the inn, there is no peace for this family. Like, you know, those, you know those dreams you have where, like, everything's going wrong, but you're, you're, like, moving in slow motion the whole time? And so you keep trying to do something about it, but you just, you just can't possibly do that? I mean, that's sort of the story, right? It's like Merry Christmas. Or, I mean, what, did it, what does it feel like to be Mary and Joseph? I, I think of uh, one of my favorite lines by, by Jim Gaffigan. It's like, imagine you're drowning and then somebody hands you a baby, Right? Like, that's, that's what's going on in this story. Yep. And so that they end up in this barn. It's probably a, a musty old cave. Imagine the smells, right? There's probably, like, poop everywhere. The animals are freaking out because they've got these visitors in there. It's like, this, just somebody passed me some hand sanitizer, right? It's like, it's a, it's a disgusting environment in which, in which they're found. But this is all they have. And, and, like, let me even just say, like, the person who wrote, Silent night, obviously never spent time in a delivery room, right? 
And so after, after the screams, after the pain and the blood, and now the Son of God wailing, they wrap him in rags and put him in the animal's food bowl. Like, this is how our God enters his universe. The God who made you and me, who made the stars and the mountains and the trees and the animals, everything that we see, that same God enters helpless, crying, and weak. Where's the peace in this story? And yet, here's what here's what grips me. We can find peace because God knows our peacelessness. Like you just can't miss that in the story that, that our God actually knows our peacelessness. He entered right into it. He knows the mess of this world. He's, he's felt it. And, and think about this, like only our God as Christians, only our God knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to deal with this mess around us and within us. He, he, knows, he knows what it's like to, to carry whatever it is you're carrying, right? To, to feel whatever it is you feel. And not just up here theoretically, right? Like he studied it. He knows everything because he's God. But experientially because he's lived it. And Do, do you see the difference in that? Because let's say, let's say I was going to become an expert in labor and delivery. You know, I could read all the books... I could go back to school. I could become the expert. I could, I could write the books, right? It could happen, people, right? I could do that. And so, like, imagine, like, let's say I become the foremost expert on labor and delivery in this room, and so I sit next to, to one of you while you're in labor, and I say, there, there, I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> You'd punch me in the face. And, and rightfully so, right? But we have a God as Christians who actually knows what it feels like to live in this peaceless world. And you, you see it from day one, right? Even his, his birth, his, his arrival, all the details surrounding his story. And as he grew up, I'm sure, like, like he, knew, he knew what it was like to have parents who disappoint him, siblings who irritate him, or what it's, what it's like to go through puberty. He understands shame intimately. Isn't that Mary's boy? You know, they weren't married, right, when she got pregnant. Like, he, understand, he understands that. He, he knows what it's like to experience the loss of his earthly father. What it's like to have a single mom. The difficulty of putting food on the table. To, to do manual work as a carpenter. And as we, as we study Luke, as we enter into 2020, we're going to be in Luke for, for quite some time, we're going to see that he, he knows what it's like to be abandoned, even, even by his friends, accused by people he came to help, misunderstood, betrayed, rejected. He knows what abuse feels like, loneliness, exhaustion, disappointment, loss, grief, sorrow, temptation. He knows what it's like when God the Father says no to your prayers. He knows excruciating pain and even what it feels like to face death and even what it feels like to die. And when you're hurting, like you don't, I mean, we could try to, like, but, but like you don't want somebody sitting by you that says, there, there, I know what, you, what you're going through. And they have no idea what you're going through. 
No, you want someone sitting by your side who can say with tears in their eyes, I know what you're going through. I've been there and it hurts. It is, it is terrible right now. But it will not always be this way. One day there will be peace. Church, this is our God. We have a God who actually knows. And if you lack peace this Christmas, anybody? Right? Have you talked to the God who knows? Because whatever it is, you and he have that in common in some way. He knows, he's experienced it, and he longs to sit by your side to bring comfort and hope in the midst of it. And this doesn't, like, listen, this doesn't remove my unrest, but it does give me a little bit of peace on earth. Ah, and then the shepherds. I mean, we're so used to the shepherds, like, of course there's shepherds. Why wouldn't there be shepherds? Well, think about it, though. Like, if you were God, and I know that sounds like a stretch to hear that phrase out loud, but let's be honest, most of us pretend we're God most of the time, so hang with me for a second. Imagine you're God, you are God, and you just did this ridiculous thing of coming to earth as a human baby. Imagine that. You did that. Who would you tell first? Well, you wouldn't tell the shepherds. Like, if for me, I'd probably show up first with Caesar, right? I'd want Caesar to know, and the Romans. I'd want those in power to know, or maybe, maybe the Pharisees, like the, the rule keepers, the people who, who get it right, the ones with, with money or power or influence, political authority. But no, our God goes to shepherds, working class nobodies. Often in that culture, they were despised, unwanted, and untrusted. He goes to the powerless. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And church, don't, don't miss this, because there's something... Something happening here. It's not accidental that God sends his messengers, his angels, to the shepherds. I think he is showing us that we can have peace on earth, even when there is no peace, because our God pursues the powerless. Like, think about that for me. He pursues the powerless. He goes to them first. In other words, like, those who lack peace... Or, or the, the ability to, to grab peace or make it for themselves. Like the, the powerless, those who lack peace, get first dibs on God's peace. And, and not, not because he loves them more, but because they know already that they need it. And so you see, those, those who think they're good enough, who believe they can carve out the good life by themselves, who can, who can fix their own problems, right? Who, who live as if they're in control most of the time. And let's be honest, people, like, us, like most of us, right? Could it be that one of the reasons you and I lack peace is because we are convinced we have to do it ourselves? That if we're going to have it, 
Any sense of peace, any sense of satisfaction, we have to go out and grab it for us. And so try a little harder, earn a little more money, make sure you, you avoid this problem or, or this trial, right? Grab onto that pleasure, get that promotion, find that success, control your family, your friends. You know, if everybody in your house can just get along this Christmas or just come home, if everybody, if everybody can just, you know, get the presents they want, have the right treats, if the, if the parties are fun enough, the de- decorations beautiful enough, the distractions distracting enough, then, right, maybe then we can feel it. In other words, if we're honest, you and I believe peace comes through power, control. That we, we do it, right? So this is, and this is like, this is classic Romans. Like this, is, this is what the Romans did, the, the Pax Romana. That's the, the peace of Rome. And Rome, Rome had peace because they would literally crucify anyone who got in their way. And you and I think peace works that way. Maybe, maybe not with the, the violent gruesomeness of that, right? But we think it works through power through control. But God is showing us the opposite. That it's not through power and control, that it's, it's actually through powerlessness and need. He shows up to the shepherds because the shepherds, they already know they need it. They know their options are limited. And so it was like on that, that terrible drive, you know, back through uh, Colorado. At one point, you know, I'm panicking, Kelly's panicking, uh, and David in the back seat says, hey, dad, you guys think we should pray? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why didn't I think of that? I'll tell you why. Because my default belief is that I can do it on my own, or at the very least, that I have to do it on my own. If I want any sense of joy, peace, or satisfaction, that is all on my shoulders. And the person who thinks they can have peace on their own will always default towards insecurity, control, manipulation, abuse, fear, and power. And you and I both know that person will never have peace. But the powerless. And we'll see this all throughout Luke. I mean, Luke, he's going to remind us of this over and over and over again, that the outsiders... Those who, who don't seem to belong, it's the, the poor, the women, the sinners, the, the outcasts in that culture, the people who don't fit, they are the ones in Luke's gospel that almost always seem to get it over and over and over again. For they are the ones who hear these words and respond to them. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those who admit their need, who confess their false ways of pursuing peace, for them, this is good news. And our sins can be forgiven, and Jesus Christ himself can be our peace. I mean, think about this the Pax Romana was peace through the power to crucify. But the Pax Christus, the peace of Christ, that comes to the one who was crucified. 
And if you feel restless right now, or you feel the world falling apart around you or the complexities of the coming 10 days ahead of you, maybe you feel disappointed or alone or overwhelmed, let me just say you are in good company. So do the shepherds. Stop trying to control everything. For God pursues the powerless and he offers us peace. Yeah, okay, Nathan, fine. I get it, right? But what does that fix, right? It doesn't change the circumstances around me. It doesn't really give me peace. I mean, if you feel that way, I, I get it. Me too, right? I am right with you. I mean, I'm sure I, I get some peace knowing that our God knows, that he, he truly knows. And I get some peace knowing that God pursues us in our need, right? In our powerlessness, that he became peace for me on the cross, that I don't have to do it. And yet, if I'm honest, I, I still feel so restless sometimes in my relationships, my fears, worries, insecurities, doubts. And I know I'm not alone. But, we must, but what we must remind ourselves in this story is that the angel's song isn't just a declaration, you know, like mission accomplished. Here's peace, thanks, enjoy it, right? No, it's a promise. It's a promise that, that through this baby, peace is breaking into our universe. That we can taste it now, truly, but yet we wait for it to come, right? And otherwise, otherwise it'd be like uh, watching the trailer of a movie and then making judgments about the movie based solely on the trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, gosh, that movie's so lame. How do you know? Well, I saw the trailer. It's like, well, that doesn't, well like, we know that. Like, that doesn't work, right? You can't, you can't make judgments based solely on that. And yet, how many of us view this story? The angels, the shepherds, the wise men, like, all, like we, we view it as if this is the feature film, we get to the end and we see this baby and we celebrate and it's like full stop. Wow, that's great, isn't it? As if this is the whole story. And if that's, if that's how you view it, of course your experience of peace right now is lame. This was never meant to be our entire hope. But what if I told you this is only the trailer? This is just a preview for what's to come. For the angels sing, not just for this baby born in a manger, right? They sing for the, for the Jesus who will return, that he will come again. And next time, it won't be as a baby preparing to die. It will be as a king ready to rule, to make this world right and his people right along with it. Hey, church, now I am convinced one of the reasons I lack peace is because I treat my life as if it's the entire story. <laughs> it's all I've got, right? This is the feature film, right? I have this one chance to get it all right. I default towards believing that this is all there is, and this is a mess, right? A lot of life feels like tire chains. But can I let you in on a little secret? The story has only just barely begun. We don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to rush it. We don't have to force it. We don't have to fake it. And knowing that, we can have some peace today because our God promises to come again. 
He promises to bring us eternal joy, eternal hope, eternal peace. Endless. And we can find peace today because our God promises to come again. And even even the way that song goes, right? It's an interesting phrase. Among those with whom he is pleased, right? That's who the peace is for. It's for those who have received his good news, who, who recognize their powerless and need. Like, this is God's promise to us, that he will come. That if you're with him, you will live forever with Jesus, and there will be peace. And so let me ask, where are you looking for it? Because every one of us is. It doesn't matter who you are, right? Young, old, whether you believe this stuff or not, we're all searching for peace. What's the missing thing that you're just convinced? If I just have this, do that, experience this, like what's the silver bullet for you that you think is finally going to bring it? What is it, it going to be for you? You know, one of our, one of our favorite Christmas songs answers this question for us from a Christian perspective. And it's, it's one of our, our favorite, I mean, we sing it every year at Christmas, like you, and only at Christmas, dear heavens. Like, it's like, it just screams Christmas. But you know what's weird? It actually wasn't written for Christmas. Weird, right? It wasn't written about Jesus' first coming, like the, the manger, the shepherd. It wasn't written about that at all. It was actually written about his second coming. The time that's yet somewhere off in the future that you and I are still waiting for. That Jesus will return. Do you believe that? And we're going we're gonna to sing that song in a moment. If the band wants to go ahead and join me up here, we're going to sing it as a mo- in a moment. But as we do, like don't, I know this can be hard. You can do it. I believe in you, okay? Uh, but don't picture, you know, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus in his golden fleece diapers. Like don't picture the, the manger, the shepherds, the wise men. And please don't picture the, the Christmas tree, right? And the, the presents that you still have to wrap and all the chaos that you're about to, you know, ensue upon your life. Like, don't picture that. Instead, listen, when we sing, picture a king coming down from the clouds. Picture yourself standing there waiting for him and you, you see as he begins to make this world right. You, you feel it as he begins to make you right and you witness as he makes his forever home here with you and me. Because that is our hope. That is our peace. Picture our king who promises to come again and sing. Sing.